Hi there, everybody. Thanks for joining us on our latest uh, podcast with Dyslexia Scotland. I'm Lena from Dyslexia Scotland. Really pleased to be joined today by Julian Paul McNeil and Rossi Stone, who I'm going to ask to introduce themselves in just a minute. Um, we're going to talk today about two fantastic resources, Mission Superheroes, which is a free short programme for primary school pupils aged primary four to primary seven, and also Mission Dyslexia, which is a really fantastic resource, um, an interactive resource for um, children and adults to use and work through with drawing and writing activities and all sorts of things to help them understand dyslexia, develop strategies, that sort of thing. So um, first of all, I'm going to ask everybody to do a quick introduction. Julie. Hi, I'm Julie. Um, I'm a mum of two dyslexic children and author of Mission Dyslexia. Paul. Um, I'm Julie's husband, so <laughs> everything on that one, and I'm uh, proud to be an ambassador of Dyslexia Scotland as well. Brilliant. I'm Rossi Stone. Oh, sorry. <laughs> too excited. Uh, I'm Rossi Stone. I am also an ambassador of Dyslexia Scotland. I'm CEO of Deco Comics Limited. And I am a, I'm the artist and co-creative collaborator on Mission Dyslexia. Fantastic. So I'm going to start off with um, the Mission Superhero Workshops. Um, all the links to all of these resources will be shared with this podcast. They'll be all over Dyslexia Scotland's social media pages. So don't worry about finding them. We'll make sure that people who are listening can find them really easily. Um, so Paul and Rossi, you were working on these Mission Superheroes workshops for good few years now but maybe um, Paul do you want to start off just tell us what they are and how schools can use them? Yeah they were um, they were a, a brainwave potentially of, of Rossi and I and some um, fantastic staff at, at the Safety of Scotland. They're basically an interactive workshop that, that can kind of go and enthuse uh, children really really looking at that power of dyslexia so not looking at it as a negative, but very much looking at it as, as something that's a bit of a gift and how can you overcome those challenges. So the whole concept, and Lena, as you say, there's some incredible resources for schools um, online, is just the ability to take the very simple concept of drawing a superhero character, but then turning that into some absolutely fantastic tools that children can then go and say, do you know something? I can overcome this, this challenge I have. So whether or not that's distractions or whether or not that's things moving on a page, how can you think creatively and then say, do you know something? I can then take this bit of superpower I have and turn it into something um, really great. So that, that was the whole um, kind of concept um, behind them. Okay, great. And uh, Rossi, you and Paul went to quite a lot of schools and there's actually videos of some of the the workshops that you did with schools on, on the um, Dressing Dyslexia Toolkit, which is where Mission Superheroes is. Tell us a bit about what was maybe some of the most rewarding or surprising parts of delivering the workshops in schools. Um, probably the most rewarding was seeing the children actually pick up and run with this, regardless of whether they had dyslexia or not, regardless of their confidence issues. In fact, probably the most surprising and rewarding thing was hearing from teachers when we were doing the workshops of particular pupils who apparently were shy or very disengaged with school and um, throwing themselves into it. And when me and Paul were working there, they seemed like some of the most confident pupils in the room. And we would never have told that they were the strugglers. So it's it was that kind of opening up to it and willingness to throw into it and 
come up with really creative heroes and villains, um, but that absolutely represented school struggles and super, you know personal superpowers, which is exactly what we wanted them to do. So yeah. that was probably And what sort of feedback have you had from, from schools or for pupils or their parents even? And pretty, pretty incredible, I think, uh, Lena. If I, if I look at Rossi, what Rossi says, I think the, the most rewarding part there was, um, and, I, and I always remember some teachers saying, we've actually found children who can own their dyslexia. And, and that was just really powerful, which actually just resonated around the school. Um, again, thanks to the, the, the staff of Dyslexia Scotland, who did a lot of um, follow-ups, so a lot of the, the surveys that came back and a lot of the reports that came back had all got like very good. There was a lot of good quantitative, quantitative stuff, a lot of good texts from all the right boxes, but it was the kind of wee nuggets of information you got. Like, I have learned to be a wee bit more confident. I've learned toolkits from my uh, my parents as a parent. I've learned a, a bit of, of working with them. So it was all that great feedback you had, but also in the, in, in the vehicle of the school changing its ethos. I think Rossi and I... Uh, use one, I don't know if you remember it, Rossi, we went into a school in Glasgow um, and we did the parents one and we had kind of done the series of workshops up to that. But one night we got something, I think it was about the region, about 90 parents in the room. I mean, we were just in a school and the head teacher just came up to us and went, you have just turned the corner tonight. And you just went, what do you mean you've turned the corner tonight? She said, we just needed this. We needed this moment where all these parents went, right, I get what you're looking to do, we can help. So I think we noticed that when we left, we left a legacy. It wasn't just about doing a presentation and saying, isn't dyslexia, you should be more confident about it. We left a bit of a legacy. And, and again, yeah. Dyslexia Scotland, these are leaving a bigger footprint now because the resources are there and people can go and pick them up and run. So all fantastic, positive stuff. And I suppose it also really helps raise awareness throughout the school, not just among pupils with dyslexia as well. Um, so that, you know, children can understand a bit more about why some of their classmates might struggle with different things um, and understand a bit more about the stuff that they're really good at as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are the next steps for the Mission Superhero Workshops? <laughs> get it out there. Get it. <laughs> I, think what would be, I think what would be great is I think, and I know Rossi and I laughed when we done the very first one, which we went... Um, I'm sure the two of us kind of drove into the, well, to tell you the truth, the very first one, the school didn't know we were turning up. Mm. The two of us walked up the corridor going, this isn't going to work, this is a disaster. Um, and then to leave, we had an absolutely enthused teacher who was just could not have helped us anymore to look in, with enthused pupils. And we just thought, this will work. And I always remember going back and some of the great partners we had and some of the local authorities that helped us. They were going, um, we know you want to go to another local authority, but please don't. Mm -hmm. Can you come back to ours? Please, we're getting inundated with people wanting requests. So we know that was really good. I think what we want to do now with this particular part is, as you say, great resources on there. But how can we empower schools to go and take that out? How can we maybe empower young yeah. people to become dynamic leaders and say, do you know something, I'm going to do that. And I touched back on it a bit about if we can get young people schools to be empowered and own their dyslexia we start to change the narrative we start to make it feel as if do you know something i'll walk my way through this workshop and we can use it as an overarching bit so it's not just oh it's dyslexia awareness week let's talk about yeah. it it becomes embedded into the school ethos of um, an inclusive way of learning so yeah a long journey but we've been in a long yeah. journey so we'll and I think, yeah. a long journey. 
feedback that we've had as well from teachers is that they really appreciate having something that they can just pick up. It's all there, all the different, you know, they're, they're basically told what to do and how to use it. Um, and we know that um, in some cases, teachers um, don't feel confident about supporting pupils with dyslexia. So something like this is really useful for them. And also maybe just thinking about it in a slightly different way. It's not just about spelling and literacy and things like that. It can be about creativity and um, children expressing how they feel. Julie, I'm going to bring you in now because I'm going to ask you a little bit about the Mission Dyslexia book. So can you tell us why did you write it and who's it for? Um, yeah, well, they say, you know, you should write the book you want to see, which I think is the kind of mission behind it, because um, when my, my son's 10, and when we were going through the process of thinking that he was dyslexic and looking at ways in which we could support him, my first, you know, I'm not dyslexic. So for me, it was how much information can I glean on this? How can I support my child to the best of my ability? So Obviously, we reached out to Dyslexia Scotland. We reached out to the internet, looked for resources. We were trying to find books, but there was nothing really out there that I wanted something practical. I was happy to read around dyslexia. I was happy to read about what it was and you know, all those kind of things. But really, I just needed a practical thing I could do with him that would help me to understand things that he struggled with and the things that he was really good at and how to, how to help him develop strategies. And we really couldn't find anything. So at yeah. this time, the mission um, superhero workshops were just kind of getting up and running and started. And Rossi and Paul had developed these amazing characters that really brought dyslexia to life for us all. And, and there was just a book there waiting to be written, really, with these characters. Yeah. Because for me, that unlocked, right, OK, so these are all the brilliant skills that we could pull out for children and also let's not shy away from all the things that are really difficult about having dyslexia and being in the school system as it stands at the moment so um there was just a book there waiting to be written really so it's yeah. for people like me it's for parents um who want to understand more about their children and it's for children to understand more about themselves and more about dyslexia it's a really, really lovely resource. I have seen a, a copy of it. Um, it's available for pre-order at the moment, and it, but it will be launched on the 18th of March. But um, I was so impressed with it. And it's just got such a lovely, you know, scope for interactivity, for creativity, and for starting discussions off, and maybe, maybe also for parents um, who want to encourage children to talk about some difficult yeah. stuff as well. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. And that's what it was designed for, for opening up those discussions. Yeah. Children really and looking at developing, because your strategies will be different. You know, our strategies in our family will be different from other people's strategies in their families. So Yeah. And we've, we've definitely heard a lot during homeschooling and lockdown, you know, a lot of parents saying, I'm not dyslexic and I find it really difficult in some cases to understand what my child is going through or what, you yeah. know. So it's that kind of... Um, Absolutely. And and I think the overall child to child as well, you know. Yeah. I feel like the overall goal that we've kind of been doing with the dyslexia workshops we've done with Paul and with the book Mission Dyslexia is, I mean, for me personally at least, it's to help get to a point where no school in Scotland and ideally no parent in Scotland will ever feel like they're 
they don't know what to do when their child has dyslexia or when they, they have to deal with dyslexia. They never have to feel, I don't know what resources to go for, you know, yeah. things that are in a nice package and they're from the horse's mouth and they're made to be creative and engaging. That would be a great landmark for me. Yeah, yeah. I, I would agree. Lena, I would also say that, that um, it, it, it's one of those ones where for Julie to actually work with two people who are dyslexic mm -hmm. and not be dyslexic. <laughs> One was amazing that she actually managed to get some notes down. But the other thing I think it then goes in terms of how your learning environment or your learning skills are, because there's a lot of times where Rossi and I, we might be pulled apart in what we, we like or we, we do, but we, we, we basically think stuff and we don't finish it and we don't put it down and write because we're just going, oh, yeah, 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 we'll move on. And, and we've got this big picture mentality that we can see it all and we've got it all finished and we've got it all complete. And Julie's going... But what are you talking about? <laughs> and I think if you think about that for most children, that's where the, the challenge comes. And, and we've noticed that in homeschool. And I think, Lena, you mentioned that in terms of calls and what we're seeing as parents going. I just don't know how to get through. But it's because children, particularly children with dyslexia or, or any other learning difference, they learn differently. And I think that was one thing that um, is captured really well. It's sometimes you just need to stop and go, Right. How do we look at this differently? But it was it was actually a real pleasure to because we would come up with an idea of something we wanted to talk about in a chapter like time, for example. And I'd be like, OK, so here's the parameters. What we've, And Rossi and Paul's, they would just fire. Their brains would just and they had this whole world of, you know, cartoon characters and scenarios and all these things. And they both knew exactly what each other was talking about, you know, but for me, it was trying to bring that into a kind of a usable resource. But it was amazing to watch their uh, dyslexic brains firing off each other and just coming up. Well, I, I, I really want to give a shout out to Julie and all this, because like, you know, what she had to deal with in terms of sewing <laughs> our crazy ideas together, like the way I see it, Paul brought vision, I brought visuals, but there was no book without Julie. Like, <laughs> well, I was just thinking what a fantastic example of teamwork and a, a great example for children and adults with dyslexia as well. It's about playing to each other's strengths Absolutely. and supporting each other with different things and acknowledging this is not what I'm good at and this is what I'm good at. Can, can you tell us a little bit, Ross, you illustrated, can you tell us a little bit about some of the characters in the book? Of course. Um, so you have... The three heroes who kind of represent the superpowers, you know, some of the main and well-known superpowers that people with dyslexia will often have or will often be grown in them as a result of having to find solutions to the struggles that dyslexia may bring them, particularly in a school context. Um, so, yeah, they, they embody inner strengths. Um, and then we've got a villain who represents all the the difficulties and the frustrations and the negative sides of that can come with the struggles of dyslexia. So our three heroes, and um, we have Persisto uh, and he represents persistence. Um, and he is, you know, seen as this sort of typical super strength hero. He represents the whole thing of, you know, even if something is hard, he's going to keep on fighting. He's going to keep on pushing. He's going to keep on trying to lift um, that thing or solve that problem, even if it looks impossible. But, you know, that's a great ability that really helps a lot of children with dyslexia, for example, push mm -hmm. past barriers. But it's not enough on its own because you could end up just burning out or running into walls or, <laughs> or you know, pursuing the wrong thing. So we had another character, Will Force, who is like um, sort of pet dog superhero character. And 
his superpower is motivation. You know, he increases motivation. He gives, um, he, he, he's the voice that says you can do it. He's the voice that sort of encourages you. Like if Persisto is trying something and it's not working, he will encourage you to think of un- another way around it or to say, don't give up. Or, um, you know, there might be an easier way to lift this thing or to solve that issue and so on. So it's like the gentle voice of encouragement and reason. Um, you know, but that in itself can't work, you know, and with both those things, if you look at those things from a negative point of view, they have negative spins on it too. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you can be very good at, you know, encouraging yourself, but, you know, um, not very good at, you know, believing in yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, and that's why we had a third one called Creatia. Um, and she represents the often the creativity that comes with children with dyslexia, mm-hmm. how they have to be creative and solve problems through creative means and think outside the box you know um, in my case it's making information that I find difficult to read into comics or pictures or things that really resonate with me for others it might be having your notes up on your wall in a unique way and so on but you know creativity is great but it's not very well utilized if you don't have the belief and encouragement for yourself or the persistence to see a good idea through and that's why all three of them need to work together as a kind of Avengers team um and the villain of course who they're always <laughs> fighting is uh paul's favorite word mr despicabilia mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh you know in in the name title it says it all but um it, we, we literally wanted to play in a very difficult word to say because often you yes. know dyslexia can make it very hard to say and pronounce and read certain words so and he represents you know all that frustration about dyslexia. If you feel like you're running out of time, he's like a representation of that time being stolen from you. Because it, it feels unfair when you feel you're running out of yeah. time and you're not getting done enough. And it can sometimes feel like there is a villain working against you and so on. Um, you know, same with um, if you're not feeling confident about yourself, he's, he's a representation of that nasty little voice in your ears telling you you can't do things. Yeah. And by having that as an embodiment, and then having the heroes as an embodiment, it creates a scenario of hope and that children can feel that they can utilize those heroes and use that to beat Mr. Despicabilia in any form, so long yeah. as they're all working together. Yeah, no, yeah. that's what it's fab. They're, they're and, really and Mina, characters. Can just, yeah. Can I just add one thing on it? I mean, it was, it was one, it was incredible what Rossi kind of started doodling away on a bit of a paper and was going, here's, here's what this character can look like. And he just, you mean, it was that bit about, as you say about everybody working together, it was somebody would probe because they were in my head at one point, and Rossi just kept banging my head until it all fell out. But managed to do that. But the one, the one unique moment, and I think it's something that was really good in terms of all the workshops and everything we did, was we actually created what dyslexia. We actually created something dyslexia so you could touch and feel. So Mr. Despicabilia, I get there eventually saying it, uh-huh. became something that children could point at. So when you say dyslexia it becomes, what is that? What does it look like? And you'll never make what it looks like, but we actually created this character that children could go, that's it, yeah, they do. He steals stuff and he looks a wee bit. And yeah, he's not always there. He's Sometimes he's and sometimes he's not there. And I think that just particularly for the younger audience we were working with, they could go, yeah, yeah. that is it. Sometimes he's at the window and when the teacher turns around, he's not at the window anymore. Yeah. That's an excellent point, actually. No, sorry, Paul, I'm just saying, once to reiterate what you're saying is like, you know, it it gives a way for pupils to describe or point out what they mean, like not just for the struggles, like Mr. Despicabilia being there as a villain 
they can point to him and say, yeah, that's what the struggle's like. That's what yeah. finding it hard to listen to in class is kind of like. It's like he's there messing things up. But it's also the fact that he's outnumbered by three heroes is also quite cool because it's giving them a way in which they can actually see the strengths yeah. of dyslexia, which they may not always feel. And that's something that the package can actually introduce to them. Children who are only seeing their dyslexia, they're only associating it with the difficulties. These three heroes are a visual way to let them see, ah, it gives, this dyslexia can actually give me a strength here. Oh, it can actually help me be creative. It can actually help me believe in myself more and give me all these advantages. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think just for, you know, for children and adults to, to, have the acknowledgement that they're not the only ones that have experienced things because we do hear things and people will say oh I I thought I was the only person that that happened to (laughs) and then we're like oh yeah that happens to you as well does it yeah but they've just thought oh well that's just me and as I say in some cases it's adults who've like lived with it all their lives and have just got on with it and found different ways around it um can I ask you just um how how do you think your own dyslexia Paul and Rossi has influenced the way the book has evolved was it you know (laughs) Uh, I'm sure in many, many ways, and probably quite sort of emotional ways or, you know, practical ways. Well, well, Persisto is actually Paul. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's just let's just put that out there. I was going to say, do you, have you all adopted your own little character? <laughs> I'll be Gavin Persisto. Well, I think I think Julie is an excellent will force. Well, like, I was thinking about as well. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite so pleased with it. To touch on it, Lena, and, and it is probably uh, Julie articulates it very well in terms of that book that she wanted. And, and Julie's a Wordsworth; she she loves books. She absolutely loves them, and she was going, always going. So just tell, just give me that book, and I'll read it, and I'll under, and it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. And I think for me, having been with involved with the the fantastic um, Dyslexia Scotland for so many years, I just always had a vision in my head about how can we help. Because I did so so many talks and I did so many things and but we just seem to keep coming the same problems keep coming. I need help. I need help. And I was going. I'm just not helping. And then I think at one moment, I've always thought, I wonder if I could have helped my mum. I wonder if I could have helped my mum mm-hmm. when she was bringing me up as that nine and ten year old, and she just didn't. She just couldn't get through to anybody, and particularly me. So I think an emotional journey for me was was could I get to some point where one, you mentioned it, Lena, raise awareness, show the, show the super strengths, not the negativity. So yeah. stop saying the bit there. Stop re- reintroducing the stories of all the challenges. We know the challenges are there, but how do we make you reach for the stars? And then I think for me, it was trying to get to a point where there's so much stuff in your head, but you just have no ability to get it down into what people would call the norm. So I can't write sentences, I can't do that. So I think having bumped, I can't draw. So I'm always so privileged to have Rossi at my side because he brings things out and makes it creative. So when you think about going into that classroom environment, because we said there's no rights or wrongs and drawing wasn't, it wasn't, I think Rossi's mentioned this brilliantly, it's not a drawing task. This yeah. isn't a task, this is a, this is a creative task. And then they watch children light up and come up with some incredible coping strategies of their own that you just went there magical. And to hear teachers then go, wow, I'm going to have to change my teaching style. I never knew yeah. about that. And, and I'll give you one that I think was one of the, the kind of most 
um, heartwarming moments in the whole journey that I've gone through this. Ross and I were in a class, and I remember we did the the, the bit, and all the children fed back, and it was just brilliant. And one young girl put her hand up, she says, but I can stop time. And I could see that kind of look. <laughs> you know I mean? It's just one of those like, crazy things. No child should say that. <laughs> just you Ross and I catch, catching each other's eyes, we catching the teacher's eyes. And then we just went, the, the, but, the, but the amazing part was, we went, what do you mean? And she went, well, when I'm doing a test, now this is a 10-year-old girl, remember. When I'm doing a test, I start my stopwatch. And when I'm struggling, I stop my stopwatch and time stands still. I learn to breathe, I take my time, the clock on the wall is still the right time, and I start it again. And the teacher went, how many years have you been doing that? She says, from about primary four. That's fantastic, isn't it? What a coping strategy. And she just went over and the teacher went, we're going to talk about that after, and I'm going to learn how I support you better. And it was just this magical moment where that yeah. was a superpower. She could stop time. So the smirk came off my mouth, my head and I went, well done. Yeah. And that's what it was all about. It was all about, about creating super innovation, creativity, and only a 10-year-old can tell you they can tell stop well, time absolutely. and actually be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Puts us in our place, doesn't it? Now, Julie, I feel like I'm going to put you in this boss a little bit, but I'm going to ask you a little, what, what would be your advice to parents who are struggling, um, particularly in lockdown and homeschooling? And I know, you know, I'm not, there's no easy answer, I know, but do you have any advice for, for people who might be listening to this? Yeah, well, I think, I think, I mean, it's been a long haul for parents and for children. Yeah. Um, there's definitely some positives that have come out of being at home um, for dyslexic children. I know with my own children, there's things that they're, struggle with but having time out of the routine and being able to kind of adapt their learning um you know to a way that works for them at home has been really positive I think I would just tell parents to be kind to themselves you know and children to be kind to themselves because this is not normal circumstances and you know there are going to be things that we're going to worry about and I worry about my youngest because she really struggles with her reading and I want to use this time to get her you know mm -hmm. really confident in it. but that's not actually going to happen in these circumstances so what I need to do is to make sure that she's happy and that she's yeah. confident you know and that she still loves learning so I think what I would say is you know take the small stuff take those wee light bulb moments that you get the chance to see this year that you wouldn't have got the chance to see last year. Like, um, I think I was chatting to you, Lena, about um, my daughter was learning the five times table and I, I didn't know how to teach her the five times table other than count on in fives, which didn't seem to be sinking in. So she went to Paul's office, interrupted his Zoom call that he was on <laughs> and the two of them had paper out on the form. They were jumping on in fives and she got it in Fabulous. Yeah. two minutes flat. But like that, those wee moments that we're going to see this year, you know, we wouldn't have seen last year yeah. and we won't, hopefully won't see next year. But, you yeah. know, we've just got to celebrate these little times that we have with them, I think. Yeah. And, and know understand that, that it's part of a bigger picture. Yeah. And everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. I think that's something that's important. Um, yeah. But still. Um, I'm going to finish up um, very shortly, but would somebody like to do a very quick summary about where people can buy the book and when? Julie. Julie. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, it's available for pre-order, Lena. Thanks very much. <laughs> do, you, do your plug that we wrote. <laughs> um, yeah, it's on Amazon. It's on uh, Waterstones' website, so WH Smiths. It's in all kind of major retailers. You can pre-order it just now, and it's out on the 18th of March. Hoping to have a launch on the 18th of March as well, um, and maybe do some workshops after that. So fantastic. Um, a real thing out there in the world and hope that parents <laughs> and children enjoy it yeah um, and well, Lena, can, can we say, sorry i was just going to say lena can we say a, a massive uh, and just put it in the record a massive thank you to dyslexia scotland and, yes. and all the staff and and, and all the, the volunteers around the branches because yeah. this was a pipe dream this was this was this was just something that but without an organisation like Dyslexia Scotland, without the, the incredible staff that are in there, the, the incredible volunteers, the people that keep picking me up, my family up, and that's tenfold, that's a hundredfold, we don't make the differences. And all we've wanted to try and do is, is take a dream and make it into a reality. Now, if we can take this small dream and make it into a reality, we, we can go on. So I, I think on behalf of, of myself, but just probably in, in, in three of us, I think, it's a huge thank you because I know yes. sometimes when, when I look back and I think about some of the times when we sat in coffee shops, the three of us doing it, you guys have, have helped support and make these small pipe dreams come reality. And, and ultimately, as I think, as we say, we're going to help families. We're going to help children who will feel a wee bit better about themselves. So it, I think we, I, I personally have to put in the record thank you, a massive, massive we'll, thank you. We'll have a massive love in here because it's an absolute <laughs> pleasure working with people like you, um, the three of you in particular, and it's wonderful to be able to um, help with something that's going to be so useful for so many people. Um, this is not the last of it, so we'll, as you say, um, it's going to be launched on the 18th of March. So people can buy it then. We will provide all the links. We're also going to do a big push on the Mission Superheroes project. So teachers, parents, young people with dyslexia, make sure you're looking at Dyslexia Scotland's website um, and social media. And to the three of you, thank you so much for joining us today. I know everybody's busy, but hopefully no, um, this will be an interesting listen to people. So thanks very much. Thank you. Thanks, Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.